today on Ag News Daily. When the real concern last year and looking ahead to this year is the different R word being Russia. Listeners, welcome back. Monday edition, January 9th. Tanner Winterhoff and Delaney here hanging out with you on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Going to hit some quick headlines today. Delaney, did you have a good weekend? I did. Tanner, how about you? It was fast. I uh, didn't feel like I yes. did, got the rest that I should have, but that's all right. We got plenty of news to get to. We certainly do. And I'll kick things off here. The American Farm Bureau Federation is having their annual meeting, Tanner, in Puerto Rico. Sorry, we are not there for our listeners. That would have been a fun one to go to. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> but we did see today that Farm Bureau and John Deere and Co. have made signs in farmers' demands for the right to repair. American Farm Bureau and Deer and Co. signed a memorandum of understanding on Sunday that will ensure farmers have the right to repair their own farm equipment or go to an independent technician. This is a huge move, Tanner, for folks who have been campaigning for this for quite some time. And, you know, we had sick codes on quite a couple months ago now, but this was really one of the key contentions that a lot of farmers felt is why do I have to keep paying for this? Why can't I repair this myself? So this is definitely a huge move. Yes, it is. I had seen that headline as well. Sounds like American Farm Bureau was busy down there in Puerto Rico, which is good to see that a fun trip like that can also be business worthy. I also want to give our listeners an update. Republican Kevin McCarthy did finally win the election as Speaker of the House after the 15th round of voting was oh my gosh. closed. What did you say? I said, oh my gosh, that's so many. I didn't realize it had gotten to that many rounds. Oh yes, 15 rounds. So uh, there was an ugly confrontation after the 14th round on the House floor. Republican Mike Rogers had to be physically restrained while getting into a verbal altercation with Republican Matt Gates whose decision to vote present instead of for McCarthy cost the would-be speaker his victory in the 14th round. The final 15th round ballot, though, Delaney, McCarthy won 216 votes uh, compared to the 212 from the Democratic side. Six Republicans voted present, which lowered the threshold that McCarthy needed to actually win the majority. So it does talk there are some concessions during that last round that were made. He had to give up the power, allowing one single lawmaker the ability to force a snap vote at any time to oust him from the speaker position. He vowed to lower government spending, provide a larger freedom caucus presence in the House committees, allowed votes on conservative bills reviewing border security and congressional term limits, and developed an investigative committee around the weaponization of the federal government. So a lot of things were in concession there as they put things together. We also got an announcement over the weekend that Senator Ben Sass officially resigned from his Senate position to become the president of the University of Florida. That was the Nebraskan Republican Senator Ben. So after that vote was cast, he resigned his position and now will take over as president at the University of Florida. I'm I'm not even going to lie. I was definitely laughing when you were talking about having someone having someone from Congress having to be removed and restrained. Yes, it uh, was quite the video when I pulled up that article to see it. It was it was literally holding a guy back uh-huh. from a physical altercation. Huh. OK, well, and who says Congress is boring, Tanner? <laughs> That's right. 
Iowa's Congress certainly could get exciting this season as well as they head back into uh, their session here because carbon pipeline debates are expected to be a heavy topic here heading into 2023. Iowans can now expect to see their state legislators discuss changes to carbon pipeline laws specifically in the upcoming legislative session. Um, House Speaker Pat Grassley specifically spoke on this ish- in issue specifically during a recent interview as they continue to discuss how Iowa's future carbon pipeline projects will either help or hinder Iowa's economy. But so far, you know, we've reported on three different companies, Tanner, that have been going through the permitting and planning process. And it sounds like things could tighten up a little bit when it comes to carbon pipeline legislation here in the state of Iowa. Uh, We certainly saw Republicans in the Iowa Senate shot down changes to eminent domain laws currently passed by the House during the 2022 legislative session. That could also certainly be an area of contention that we continue to see here in 2023. But I think a lot of other states are going to be looking to see how Iowa handles this issue first and foremost to say, what are we going to do in our states? Yeah, we're certainly going to be the spotlight and set the example. Of course, that's going to be major because there are multiple pipeline projects going on currently as far as that goes. New releasement of technology for polymer bushings are outperforming metal bushings. The knee-jerk reaction across the ag community says that plastic replacements are cheap junk, but in reality, test results are causing OEMs to switch from their traditional bronze bushings to high-tech polymer bushings. Delaney, so the bronze bushings are soft. They have about 8,000 pounds of pressure capacity, and they need to have continuous rotation to disperse their lubrication, which is grease. Delaney, I'm sure you've had your various opportunities to be exposed to grease stains on clothing. But now the new polymer bushings can handle up to 30,000 PSI of pressure and work in a non-oscillated situation where lubricant is dry, so more of a powder format. So as they look at these things, there is science behind the compounding benefits of polymer, which is a plastic, over the current bronze structure. Plus, you don't have to worry about grease cirques since the poly bushings use the dry lubricant they're no longer need that and reduce maintenance time so consider upgrading your polymer bushings after you got this news here but dan anderson from agweb put more into his article around the new technology that is now catching the ag world by storm that was a lot i'm not sure i understood all of that tanner but thanks for reporting on that so i did not have to stronger than metal okay that's a good headline to summarize that (laughs) absolutely Well, on the trade front, we see President Biden is moving and shaking this week. He met yesterday with Mexico officials right along the Mexico-U.S. border, right in that El Paso area on Sunday to discuss the recent surge we've seen in illegal border crossings. Especially in the month of December, there was a real surge in migration. And uh, so his first stop on his little tour here was at the bridge of the America's Port of Entry, where the president toured the facility currently going on with border officials and some of these recent uh, surges. He said they need a lot of resources and they're going, we're going to get them for them. So that is one trip he checked off his list. He's also going to be meeting with Japanese Prime Minister Kishida later this week at the White House to coordinate action at the United Nations and also the G7 summit coming up here later this year in 2023. And 
We're also, Tanner, continuing to see a mess of riots taking place in Brazil as we see President Lula step into office. This has been largely compared to what we saw during some of the recent U.S. elections when we saw President Trump win and then also lose office and similar situations happened here in the United States. But as far as what it means for Brazil specifically, long-term consequences for democracy around the world is kind of what political analysts are speculating right now, Tanner. Yeah, I saw a lot of headlines around that too. And really the last pieces I have for today are kind of pointed at markets just notifying here that china has released some of their covid restrictions and they have been eased to allow visitors to come into the country ahead of china's lunar lunar new year that holiday begins january 21st we're obviously paying attention to the weather patterns here still little to no rain has fallen in the southwestern area of kansas or oklahoma or texas the last couple of weeks about 84 to 85 percent of kansas they are uh, the largest hard red winter wheat producer. They're suffering from drought conditions. I look forward to the conversation we have today about markets in regards to those. But the weather headlines here looks like ice and freezing rain for the northern portion of the U.S. headed up into Wisconsin and Minnesota, while the eastern Oklahoma and northwestern Arkansas area is getting a cold front moving through there, potentially producing thunderstorms in the middle of this week, Delaney. But how do markets look today? Well, Tanner, markets certainly opened up a little bit more exciting than they closed. Saw mostly weakness here across the board. March corn today lost a penny and a quarter to close at 6.52 and three quarters. These new crop corn down three quarters of a cent on the day, settling at 5.90 and a quarter. March soybeans down four pennies to close at 14.88 and a half. New crop beans down five and a half cents to close at 13.91 and three quarters. Soybean oil was really the only thing higher here across the grain complex as March Chicago wheat closed two pennies lower at 7.41 and a half. Livestock continue to try and find their footing after last week's ugly sell-off in the lean hog markets today pushed higher. February live cattle up 97 and a half cents to close at a buck 57.70. Jan, excuse me, March feeders added 65 cents to the board today to close at a buck 86.30. And February lean hogs added 52 and a half cents to close at 80.80. Without further ado, Tanner, let's kick it over to our conversation with Darren Newsom. Well, folks, today we are joined by Darren Newsom of Darren Newsom Analysis. Darren, how are you doing today? I feel like there's a lot to talk about. Hi, Delaney. Yeah, doing well, and there there certainly is a lot going on in the world for the you know just for the first part of a new year. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like Darren last week was that a telling week of what we should expect here for commodity markets moving forward? Because it seems like the bears definitely won the challenge last week. <sighs> Yeah, that's a great question, Delaney. It's hard to say. You know, it's so hard to read much into the last week of December or the first week of January. You've got, you've got shortened. You mean you've got shortened week. You've got holiday days. You've got you know lower volume for the most part. So, you know what that leaves itself open for some vacuum trade where you know it doesn't take as many orders to really move things around. But I do think it gives us a glimpse. uh, You know, at least short term, if nothing else of things that could be happening. I mean, in in the corn market, we knew going in with the way basis was weakening at the end of December that 
we were probably going, you know, the merchandisers were anticipating uh, uh, more available supplies to become available once we turned the calendar page. And it certainly seems to be, you know, that was the case. Now we still have very strong domestic demand, export demand. We can't, we can't give it away at this point. Uh, so, I mean, it's an interesting combination and certainly it does look like the market, you know, corn market may want to go lower for a little while, but I don't know that it's time to throw dirt on it, but I do think it could struggle here at least through January. So I know there's a lot of factors that are going into this, but we know that we've got some new public officials in their seats as of the beginning of the year. We also know some of our trade partners and other producing organizations are dealing with a turn in the politics. How much is the world of government affecting the markets right now? You know, it it comes into play. I mean, it certainly does. Certainly. I mean, everyone was focusing on, on recession at the end of 2022 and talking about 2023, when the real concern last year and looking ahead to this year is, is the different R word being Russia. What's it going to do? I mean, uh, what's what's going to happen right now? We really don't know what Putin's next play is going to be. Um, you know, it does keep at least a flame underneath the problem of uh, of inflation as we head in 22. I think inflation has peaked, obviously, but, you know, certainly we could see markets go up because we don't know exactly what, you know, Ukraine's going to, what, what's finally going to harvest for its corn crops or last fall's crop. And we certainly don't know what was planted as far as wheat goes uh, in Ukraine. I can't imagine that there was a lot. So, you know, I think the wheat market itself, particularly the soft red winter market, is going to have to figure all this out over time. And what's interesting to me, you know, what kind of gave a glimpse as to what we could look for in 2023 is that at the end of uh, at the end of December, we saw on the monthly chart, the long term monthly chart for the bar chart national soft red winter wheat price index that, the you know, the cash wheat, the cash soft red winter actually posted a bullish technical pattern indicating its long term trend was turning up. We haven't seen one of those in quite some time. So, you know, what it's trying to tell us, it's hard to say, but the bottom line is things are going to change. Things should change. And most likely that change is going to come in the Russia, Ukraine area, meaning less supplies again. Darren, you mentioned a lot of things there. I think we need to unpack a little bit more. Mm -hmm. But one thing you said that piqued my interest was that inflation has been curbed or that we're mm-hmm. we're seeing a peak here uh, for inflation. What indicators are telling you that that's the case? If if I look at, again, if I, if I just go back to a technical point of view and put the fundamentals aside, I'll let the economists argue about it because they can't, they can't decide on anything. But from a technical point of view, you know, we look at corn, soybeans, even most wheats, except for the soft red winter. Now we look at crude oil. We look at, we look at so many of these key markets, these key commodity markets, and they all posted long-term tops in 2022. It doesn't mean we can't rally in 2023. It just means that we probably, the cash values or the spot values aren't going to go up beyond what we saw in 2022. So, you know, again, that tells me inflation has topped. We we do have, you know, we're going to continue to see uh, the U.S. Federal Reserve continue to raise interest rates. It was late to the ball game. I and mean, when we saw a lot of 75 basis point uh, increases over the course of 22, I don't think we're going to see those. I think we could see 50 basis point increases for a while, get them down to 25 basis point and so on. But we are going to continue to see interest rates go up. It's not 70s and 80s style, but we're going to be looking at higher interest rates. And that should help keep a you know a lid on inflation. We also saw the administration uh, release uh, uh, you know, oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. You know, looking at the big picture, it looks like a good play. Uh, crude oil has collapsed. Uh, if they if it so cho- chooses, it can start to refill 
uh, the, the you know the SPR at this point. So we'll see. Seasonally, we're going to get into a time of year when when markets start to move up again, and that's just the way it works every year. But I don't think we're going to go back. We're going to take out the the 2022 highs. So you just mentioned seasonally. How soon do we start looking at markets trying to basically buy acres for next year's planting season? Yeah, that's that's been a fun debate all winter long. Actually, I start looking at that uh, the first week of September, and I look at it for the six months from September through February. And you know, it's one of the things I was going to. I've been posting here recently, and the start to go up again on Tuesday is that you know through the first month and a half. December corn was just pulling away from November soybeans. It was buying as many acres as it possibly could. You know, we know the U.S. likes to plant corn. That's just the way it is. Since mid-October, though, November beans have been gaining on December corn, but still hasn't got back up to the 10-year average. And as long to me, in my, my way of thinking, as long as it stays below average, below the 10-year average, it favors more corn acres. So, Everything I see chart-wise and so on, everything that I hear from folks out in the country, right now, it seems to be, you know, more corn acres are going to get planted. We'll see what Punxsutawney Phil has to say in early February, <laughs> if he agrees or not. But uh, beyond that, you know, right now, that's the way it looks. Then, you know, in the distance, we still have the renewable diesel fuel with, with soybeans and soybean oil, you know, hanging out there on the horizon. You know, we're going to have to find a way to raise more soybeans domestically. Uh, and if I just look at, you know, available stocks to use at the end of every month, U.S. soybeans are in a much tighter situation based on cash markets than corn at this point. And so, you know, market's telling us we're going to need more soybeans. But right now, spreads are saying, you know, U.S. producers are probably fa uh, favoring corn. Yeah, that's interesting that you mentioned the biodiesel and soy processing, because we've definitely reported more lately on facilities coming online as we see that sector ramp up. What's it going to take as far as meeting the demand that we potentially see from that industry? Yeah, I haven't done all I haven't done all the figuring uh, yet, but I do know that given you know, since we have slipped to a second, you know, to a second rate supplier to the world's largest soybean buyer that, you know, most of our demand now has to come from the domestic side. So, you know, crush isn't necessarily a bad thing. Then all of a sudden you're going to, we're going to continue to see, you know, the fluctuations between soybean meal and soybean oil. Uh, but now if we see this, this actual move to renewable diesel, I think, I think soybean oil is going to stay in the spotlight much longer than soybean meal will. I think we'll see flashes in the pan of meal, but you know, we're going to be producing enough meal to take care of feed for quite some time. So I think I think it's going to be, you know, I think the attention is going to be going over to oil, but we're going to have to grow, we're going to have to have more acres of soybeans, either that or just basically throw in the towel uh, and say that, you know, we're just going to be the provider of of last resort for uh, for China when it comes to soybeans. So as we look at this week ahead of us, is there something that our listeners should be paying attention to to maybe get a jump on a market movement? Yeah, you know, I kind of I think I have a hunch where where this might be going. Uh, I know what we don't need to pay attention to, uh, but as far as what we should be paying attention to, I, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, certainly, we have the situation going on in Brazil, which is very reminiscent of what we saw here in the United States uh, in 2021. 
Uh, it just seems to be the playbook these days when one loses an election, that this is how things turn out. So we have to see how this is going to affect possibly the real. I'm not convinced that it's going to move the real all that much. And even if it did, again, it's not going to really sway China's uh, opinion of where they're going to buy beans. The biggest thing right now is what's the weather in South America? I think that's the key because that will determine, uh, you know, it's it's early to mid, what is it, early to mid-July, uh, the equivalent of early to mid-July right now in South America. So it's in a key time. Time right now, and everyone's counting, including China, is counting on a record uh, record production in Brazil. So we'll have to see if it comes through. And you know, this week and next certainly could go a long way in deciding that. Darren, I'm curious too, since you mentioned South American weather, I'd be curious to know. We've obviously seen a lot of reports lately about Argentina having a lot of hot and dry weather, but mm-hmm. it seems like we're always hearing that being reported, specifically that they're one week away from a drought. So if we do see that actually come to fruition, where are we going to see Argentina source their beans from? Are they going to go to Brazil? Are they going to come to the U.S.? What's your best hypothesis there? My best hypothesis would be they probably get them, you know, they probably get them from uh, Brazil. But if they can't source them from Brazil, they'll certainly look at the U.S. We can see what the commercial side of the market believes this situation to be, and all, you know, for all accounts. You know, look, you know, look at what look at what's gone on with soybean meal of late. I mean, we've seen the nearby contract, uh, the March contract, jump to four hundred seventy nine dollars. I mean, that's just that's just incredibly high. At the same time, we've got inverted future spreads in soybean meal out through at least the March 2024 contract. It's incredibly bullish. Uh, you know, so we know that Argentina has problems. They're the world's number one exporter of soybean meal. On the other hand, we, we, we've also seen spreads tighten up a bit in U.S. soybeans, um, not to the degree where everything's in, a, in an inverse at this point, but it's still quite a quite bullish situation. As I said, uh, at the end of uh, at the end of December, I believe index or available stocks to use was something like 3.6, 3.9%, something like that. Well, something ludicrously low uh, compared to a year ago. It was like 6.6%. So it doesn't sound like much, but it just means we have we have no wiggle room when it comes to available stocks at this point. And so, you know, if, if Argentina needs more soybeans and we're not going to be shipping to to uh, to Brazil, that'll take up some of the slack. But the biggest thing is. How many get crushed into soybean meal and how and what do our soybean meal exports do at that point? So, Darren, as we kind of wrap up that conversation around the crop side of things, I don't want to leave our listeners in the livestock world behind. What kind of news or updates do you have for them? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, the only thing I can say, let's say talk about live cow is you know, the best we can do right now is apply it rule Newsom's market rule number 4A to it. A market that can't go down won't go down. Fundamentally, to me, looking at future spreads, looking at cash, looking at everything, uh, the you know the cattle market, the live cattle market looks like it should be bearish, but yet we just cannot break that market down. So that just tells us there's something out there holding it up. There's something we don't know. There's something we can't see that's providing support. We've also seen the boxed beef market just stay strong. Uh, you know, we've got, it has had some wild swings, but the general the general trend is that it's been strengthening. This tells us the U.S. economy, and I've had a lot of arguments about this, believe it or not, um, but the U.S. economy is generally stronger than what most people like to believe. 
I mean, there's really no other reason why we would continue to see the type of boxed beef prices if there wasn't strong uh, domestic demand. Yes, we've got good exports, but domestic demand's eating the way through a lot of high-priced beef as well. You don't do that if the economy is in bad shape. We're also seeing copper move higher. So again, that's telling us that not just the U.S., but global economy may be looking a bit better as we head into 2023. So, you know, as, as far as livestock goes, really no good explanations, just Cattle market wants to go up right now. Feeders are happy to follow. Lean hogs have been absolutely wild here the last number of weeks. We've seen an incredible amount of commercial selling coming into that market. We can tell that by the future spreads. But again, you know, we, we look like it's just getting ready to collapse. And then we get a day like Monday where the buyers just come back in. So livestock sector is very difficult at this point. Hard to explain. Fundamentally, it looks bearish across the board, but that's not stopping money from coming into all three markets. Darren, before we let you go, we know you have some exciting updates. You've been working with Bar Chart now for a little while, but you also write daily. Tell our listeners how they can find you. Yeah, a couple of ways. As you mentioned, I'm, I've, I've been uh, been given the title of uh, senior market analyst for Bar Chart, something I'm very proud of uh, working with them more now. But also, so I mean, you can find me on their barchart.com. Uh, you can find all the things that I write for them. And then just to see what I do on our website, just go to darrennewsomgut.com. You can sign up for the seven-day free trial uh, and see how I analyze things, talk about things, and, and, uh, and then we can go from there. But those are the two places, and those are some of the most recent developments. Fantastic. Well, Darren, thanks again for joining us today. Certainly appreciate your time. As always, Delaney, thanks so much for having me on. It's always fun to talk to Darren and uh, his wide depth of knowledge when it comes to the markets. Pleasure for us and a valued interview for our listeners. Absolutely. We're going to have lots of great content coming for our listeners this week. So they do want to stay tuned. Find us at Ag News Daily on wherever you get your podcast and be sure to hit subscribe so you get notified when our new episodes drop each day. But Tanner, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let the people go. 